in trying to accentuate the positive, you actually declare the negative. Does that make sense? So, in trying to talk about, get real about love, you talk about what happens when there's no love. Does that make sense? Uh, sometimes we do it today too in, in, in different styles. But certainly that's what he's done in this part of the letter. He's saying, real love is like this when you love your brother and sister. But when there's no love, look at what the consequences are. So this is where we're going today. We're going to talk about what a lack of love is like. So that we're, it's a warning as it were. It's a warning to his readers. It's a warning to us about what it means when we don't have the love of God Visible and evident in our lives. <coughs> Pardon me. So he's going to talk about, he emphasises the negative. So what is a lack of love? Verses 11 to 15, uh, we had them earlier. How are we going? We're going to get it up there? Great. Can you sync it to the back screen, thanks? We're going to look at what love doesn't do. A lack of love will create murder. You remember that story? He certainly refers us back to the illustration there of Cain and Abel. And this is what 11 to 15 says. We'll go over it again just to remind ourselves. He says, This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one who murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. And we've just lost the screen. That's okay. Thank you. Don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you, John writes. And we're having some fun. (laughs) We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And verse 15 says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Does that sound familiar to something that Jesus taught? You know, this wasn't original stuff for John. Uh, certainly is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he'd heard it already. Do you remember where he heard it in Matthew's Gospel? Matthew chapter 5 says this. All right, I haven't got it there. I'll read it for you. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 22. You might like to turn to that while I'm turning to it. And in fact, Jesus said the same thing when he talked, I think this is the Sermon on the Mount, and he was telling people how they should respond to one another. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And it goes on to say, anyone who calls his brother Raka, which was a swear word, I understand, is answerable to the Sahedrin. If you're angry with your brother, Jesus is saying, that was the same as committing murder. What's he trying to say? What's John trying to get across in his letter? He's trying to say that the lack of love for our brother or sister in Christ is a serious thing. If we have been offended and we've been holding something against somebody or if we have been hurt by someone and we don't show forgiveness, then that's a serious thing. This is the message you've heard from the beginning is what John says. You've heard from the beginning we should love one another. Now, We've got to clarify what this love is. We know what this love is that we're talking about here. It's not the uh, uh, lovey-dovey, uh, gooey, cuddly sort of stuff. Does that happen still? Here you go. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it happens in our house. I got whew, happens in our house here, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, it's this love from God, this 
total self-giving for the other person's benefit, whether they respond in a similar way or not. That's the love that God, it's that sacrificial love that Jesus showed on the cross. This is the love that we're told to have for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ that we've heard from the beginning when Jesus started teaching that. So, John is making an observation here in verse 13. He says that this is the way we've always heard it. The teaching of Jesus is this, love one another. Sacrificial love, going the extra mile with people. And he uses the illustration of Cain and Abel to show us how serious this love is and the consequences of not showing that love. Ah, There I go, I had it there just in the wrong place. My goodness, my uh, PowerPoint skills need to be improved, don't they? If the world hates you, John says, John writes, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you have not belonged to the world, but have chosen, I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And they do that because Jesus was sent by the Father. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they'll obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. John was trying to encourage them to live out a life of love, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what other people do to you. Verse 2 uses that illustration of Cain and Abel. He says, Cain knew the right thing to do, but he didn't do it. Abel knew the right thing to do in in the worship of God and he did it. Cain got jealous. His jealousy turned into anger and his anger turned into murder. And John was saying that he did that because his father was the devil, not because he was honouring to God. Do not be like Cain, he belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. There was no love in that relationship. There was no self-sacrificing for the other person's benefit in that relationship. There was only jealousy and anger and envy because Cain knew he was wrong and he knew that what his brother had done was right. What was his motivation? His motivation was jealousy. Genesis chapter 4 says this, In the course of time, Cain bought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Have you ever wondered why that happened? It's because God had given instructions on how to uh, worship him and that worship was through the animal sacrifice. Cain's offering was one of self-promotion rather than willingness to obey God's rules and God's design. While Abel's sacrifice was one of submission when he said, yes Lord, I'll do what you've told me to do. Sadly, Cain sinned and murdered his brother because there was no love evident in that relationship. I wonder what you get out of that passage. I wonder what you get out of that passage. Uh, and, and, and John brings a conclusion in verses 14 and 15. He says this, 
we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. What does it say? It says what needs to be evident in our lives is going the extra mile for one another, is doing those things that may cost us a little bit for one another. It's that self-sacrificial love that is evident in the lives of believers. Anyone who does not love like this remains in death. Anyone who does not love like this remains in selfishness and sin, really. Now, John is not saying, and I think we said this last week, he's not saying that a a born-again believer does not sin. He's not saying that at all. We still make mistakes and sadly we still show anger or hatred, sadly, towards a brother or sister. And what he's saying is that believers don't commit themselves to a perpetual life of continuing to do that. So you never change. You never allow God to change you because you're always showing hatred towards other members of the body of Christ. That is not God's way. That is not the way Jesus spoke from the beginning. That's not the way the believers that were hearing his message or reading his letter at that time in Ephesus or us today is to, are to act. We are to allow love to reign supreme, God's love to reign supreme in our lives because the lack of love could go as far to lead to murder as what it did then. So, what should our response be to those brothers or sisters who are uh, continually showing hatred towards other brothers and sisters or towards us to stir up the whole church? Because that's what was happening in Ephesus, wasn't it? Remember the, um, the, the uh, Gnostics? They were stirring up trouble with their teaching. Uh, we've said that before where it was... Uh, the body is evil but uh, everything about the spirit is good so live how you like because it doesn't matter because God will sort it out in the end. And there was this dissension happening in the church there. People were against each other, hating each other and, and there was this uh, division happening and they were stirring up strife within the body. John says, don't live like that. He does give us some guidelines on what we should do and so do other writers in the New Testament as well. What should we do? those brothers or do with those brothers and sisters that are showing hatred towards one another. Uh, Paul says this. Oh, okay. Paul says this in Romans chapter 16 verse 17. I'm not sure I've got it up there. Yes. I urge you brothers and sisters, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Keep away from them. You know that's so hard for a, for a pastor's heart to hear that. Um, uh, I've always been one that I've tried to connect with people, even if there's disagreements there. Hasn't always ha- worked, hasn't always happened. But, to, but, but for God's word to say, keep away from them, that's a really hard one for me. And yet that's what we're told to do. And the second thing we're told to do is not to mimic them. Don't mimic them. Don't copy what they're doing. Ephesians 4 says this, get rid of, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. So even though people might be causing these dissensions and they might be showing hatred to one other brothers, our responsibility out of love is to forgive just as Christ has forgiven us through God's plan. What's the second thing that happens which happens from a lack of love? Potentially murder or potentially hatred towards other people but a second thing is 
meanness. Have you ever met any really mean people? People who just um, are awful, I guess is the word, and have no compassion for others, have no care or concern for others. Well, sadly, this is what was happening in the time when John wrote that letter to the church. There was this, this meanness. He says things like this in verse 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, there's no pity on him. How can the love of God be in him? Verse 18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Real Christians are forgiven, forgiving and forgiving, someone once said. Real Christians are forgiven, Forgiving and forgiving. And I wonder if that's where John's coming from. He's saying, our sins are forgiven, therefore we should love one another. But, but some people are just mean and they're not doing that. They're, they're selfish. They're selfish. The example of Christ, self-sacrificing love should be our example. Someone has said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I wonder if that's what John's getting at here. I found this story about a London restaurant owner, um, and I think I don't have it up there. Okay. His name was uh, Emil Mettler. Great story. He was a close friend of Albert Schweitzer. I don't know if you know Albert Schweitzer. He was a, a missionary. And this man, this restaurant owner, Mettler, would never allow a Christian worker to pay for a meal in his restaurant. So any pastor, any missionary, any Christian worker, they would come and he would cover the cost of their meal. And once the secretary of the London Missionary Society was in Mettler's restaurant and happened to see in his cash register drawer, among the cash and coins, there was a six-inch nail. It's 150 millimetres for those people who don't know inches. A six-inch nail. It was in the till at that restaurant. He asked uh, the owner, Mettler, why do you keep that nail there? And Mettler replied, I keep this nail with my money to remind me the price that Christ paid for my salvation and of what I owe him in return. And so he was generous. He showed love to those people that he could. And Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 5, these verses up here, that it's the highest demonstration of love when we have a willingness to give ourselves for the sake of others. So John was writing about when love's taken out of the picture. These awful things happen. Murder, meanness. What we need to do is live as those that have been loved by the love of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I wonder what your attitude to brothers and sisters in Christ is. There are some people over the years, in other places and at other times, when I have found it really difficult to walk into the same room as that person. It was my problem, not theirs when I found it really difficult to sit at the same table as that person. Again, it was my problem, not theirs. 
And it was only uh, a number of years ago God changed my heart and now I have a great fellowship with those people. But it took a long time of God working on me to get to that place, I must tell you. We need to be imitators of God. We need to love with the love that Christ has shown us. We know this verse out of John chapter 13, I'm sure. We could probably even sing the song if we want to do a cappella, but we won't. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men know that you are genuine, real, authentic disciples if you love one another. Is that true? Yes, it is. And that's how we should be uh, deciding or making decisions in our lives when it comes to other people, other brothers and sisters in Christ. If we want to get real about love, we need to make sure that we have that sort of love in our lives, that, that self-sacrificing that love, that love that puts our life on the line for others, just as Jesus did for us. I want to finish with a story this morning. I should have brought the tissues with me. This is one of those stories that uh, just exemplifies this whole principle of getting real about love. Let me share it with you as we finish. A young lady, oh I have got a picture of this one. A young lady walked into a fabric shop. She went to the counter and asked the owner for some noisy, rustling white material. And I've never heard of that before. Noisy, rustling white material. The owner found two bolts of such uh, fabric but was puzzled by the young lady's motives. Why would anyone want several yards of noisy material? Finally, the owner's curiosity got the best of him and he asked the young lady why she particularly wanted noisy cloth. She answered, you see, I'm making a wedding gown and my fiancé is blind. When I walk down the aisle and stand beside him, I want him to know where I am. It's pretty cool, eh? So she was prepared to be noisy for her coming husband. We live in a world that's blinded by sin. Many people cannot recognise the truth of Christ apart from his love being demonstrated by us noisy Christians. Not that we're putting on a show but we are genuinely, sincerely living out the love of Christ that he's shown to us. And with that comes a statement, with that comes a noise that others may know, that others may hear of the love of Christ for them. I wonder if you're prepared to be a noisy Christian for Jesus this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for John's letters. We thank you that that there's an earthiness about them, there's a truth about them that makes us sit up and take notice that the consequences of no love are enormous. Father, the consequences of, of selfishness and the lack of care for brothers and sisters in Christ are enormous. We don't want to be potential murderers. We don't want to be seen as mean people. We want your love to shine out through us because we have experienced it in such a way that our lives have been changed dramatically and are being changed dramatically every day. Father, we thank you for the love that you've shown to us through Jesus. We pray that we might be noisy about it. We pray that we might be people who are obviously living in that love and wanting to show that love to others. May that be what we're known for. May that be how 
glory is brought to your name through our actions and our motives. We pray this week, Lord, that you'll strengthen us by your spirit to live a love that shows people your love. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ask the team to come back as we uh, finish our service together. God wants to build his kingdom. He wants to build his kingdom uh, through us. And 